Hi, welcome to The Landscape, a Crane's Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta, your host. Glad you can spend some time with us. Expectations are running high as the Cleveland Browns begin preseason training camp as they head into a new season, coming off their first playoff victory in some 26 years. Here to tell us what this season might look like for the Browns, both on the field and off, is our own Kevin Kleps. Kevin covers the business of sports for Cranes Cleveland. Kevin, thanks for being with us again today. Thanks for joining us. Good to be here. Let's start we'll talk about before we talk about the season, just a little bit about preseason training camp. Fans were not able to attend last year, but they can go this year. Are the Browns limiting the amount of people who are able to go to a preseason training camp day? Yeah, it's going to look a little different because of COVID than it than it had in 2019 and before that. It, they're limiting it to 2,000 fans at each of the 12 practices, and they're doing the typical uh, orange and brown scrimmage, so that gives fans a, another opportunity. But the actual camp practices in Berea, with only 2,000 fans at each of the 12, I mean, you're it's and that might be half of what you might normally see. So it's going to look a lot different. Uh, fans who try to register online. Uh, each fan who does might get one of the 12 practices. It's not going to be what you see in other years where fans might be able to get the chance to go to a handful of, of uh, scrimmages or uh, practices just because of all the regulations with the pandemic. So it's really going to be limited, much more limited than it had been in the past. One of the things that's changing about the preseason this year, there traditionally was four preseason games and now there are only three. Do you think that'll affect team preparation at all? Or is it, or is it more the guys who are trying to hang on and get a spot on the roster might not have a chance to prove themselves? Yeah, I think that's the biggest change is it's going to be those guys at the very bottom of the roster, the guy, the 48 through 53 guys and the practice squad guys who won't get as many opportunities maybe in camp. But for the for most, for most teams like the Browns that are going to be good and that kind of know what they have, it's it's really not a big deal. The biggest thing to me is having that extra regular season game and how teams are going to manage that. Now that they're playing 17 regular season games, I, are, do uh, older starters get rested one time during the year or do they just try to play all 17 and hope that the injury bug doesn't bite too bad? Because that's it's gonna it could be a, it could be a big change when you have that extra game. It affects how the playoff positioning works later in the year. It affects rest for guys. It's going to be interesting to see how teams manage this. One final preseason thought before we move on to the regular season. The Browns opening uh, uh, preseason game is with a familiar face that a lot of people from Ohio certainly know, actually college football fans too. Urban Myers coming back to town uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars making his debut. How do you think that's going to go? I mean, do you think that he'll be well-received? Yeah, I, th- I think he will. The Urban's very popular in the in the Buckeye State. So yeah, I think he's going to be pretty well-received, but that's not going to stop fans from Wanting to see the Browns uh, put on a pretty good performance against his team. It'll be interesting, though. You have Urban, then you have Trevor Lawrence, number one overall draft pick. And people think that the Jaguars, could they have some pretty good young talent. So you combine that with all the crazy hype that's going to be surrounding the Browns. I mean, it's preseason, it, I mean, you can only do so much with the preseason as far as hype goes and everything else. But as far as a preseason matchup goes, that's pretty darn good in Ohio. So hype is the big word. Are we? Do we need to pump the brakes a little bit on this team, or do you really think they have a legitimate shot to be a real contender as they did last year? I think it is legit. I mean, as you noted, I mean, every year the fans go crazy about the start of the season, and most of the time they end up disappointed. But this year it, it really seems like it's legit. This team, this roster top to bottom is one of the best in football, if not the best. And if you look at what they did last year, yeah, I mean – the Chiefs might not might not have been totally healthy at the end of the year, but this this Browns team could. I, it wouldn't surprise me if they were in the AFC Championship game. It wouldn't surprise me if they got to the Super Bowl. They are they are that good, and as Kevin Stefanski showed last year, they're 
they're pretty darn smart from the coaching staff on down. So I, I, yeah, I think it's legit. This team is the best Browns team in a long time. What's their biggest strength? Honestly, I, I think it's their depth. I mean, that roster top to bottom is just absolutely stacked. And I mean, they're, they're really solid at, I mean, I, Baker's a top 10 quarterback. I think he might be nine or 10, but he's top 10 and their offensive line is might be the best in football. And they really fortify the defense in the off season. I, I, I really think that uh, that's their biggest thing is they're they're deep and that's that could that could be a big thing in a 17 game season when we don't know how much the injuries are going to pile up for teams. So certainly up for discussion is one of the more mercurial players on the roster, Eldale Beckham Jr. What's going on with him this year? Is he ready to play and healthy and good to go? Yeah, we don't know exa- an exact timeline on Odell coming off the knee injury, but they don't have to rush him back, I and mean, they they don't need him back even if he's not back week one, which it sounds like he will be though. But even if he's not back week one, I don't think that's a big deal. The bigger thing to me is if he's as healthy as he says he he is, how does that work with Jarvis Landry and Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt and the rest of the weapons on offense? Because as we saw last year, for some odd reason, the offense got better and Baker got better after Odell got hurt, which really is strange just because Odell's one of the more dynamic receivers in football and I mean, before he got to the Browns, when he was with the Giants, when he was healthy, he was a top five receiver. So you would think a healthy addition of Odell can only be a good thing for the Browns. But it was strange last year how they were better after he got hurt, after he was injured. Cranes Cleveland Business would like to invite you to join us for our next virtual event on the 2021 calendar. Cranes will pay tribute to the top HR experts across five categories. Our Excellence in HR event will also take place virtually, free to attend on August 18th. Visit cranescleveland.com today and select the Events tab to register. As usual, several players are up for contract negotiations, probably most notably Baker Mayfield. You noted on your blog that uh, you think he's going to sign for a big money contract, which makes sense. But it was interesting on the blog um, that you noted from some experts who said the Browns should take their time on making a decision on how much, what kind of offer to make him. Why would they want to do that? There, There is a lot of, there's some national perspective out there that people, some of the experts aren't sold on Baker as being a top 10 quarterback. And they're saying if, if he's not a top 10 quarterback, you don't pay him 35, $40 million a year. My thinking on it is, now is the time to sign him. He, he's under contract for two more years, including the uh, fifth year option. And now is the time where maybe you sign him for, I don't know, four years, 140 million, like a Russell Wilson type contract. Whereas if you wait and he's better than he was last year and the NFL salary cap continues to go up and up and up, I mean, then his price is going to keep going up. So if you want to re-sign Nick Chubb, if you want to have room to re-sign Denzel Ward, and keep some of these other guy, these other young guys who continue to improve. Now might be the time to get Baker under contract because I, I really don't think his value is going down. If any time you have a top ten quarterback, that money is going to keep going up. Russell Wilson signed that thirty five million dollar a year deal a year or so ago, and then Dak Prescott got forty million dollars a year. So I, I, Baker's price isn't going to be going down. Nick Chubb is in his final year of contract. Do you think he'll be resigned with the Browns? I think because I mean, to me, he in many respects he is the heart and soul of that offense. I realize Mayfield may be its leader, but Chubb is the guy I think they really count on a lot during the season. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that because I mean, it depends. I mean, the Browns are very analytically inclined, and their their front office, led by Andrew Barry, is one of the better ones in football. But so I mean, a typical analytically driven organization would say, okay, you're not going to overpay a running back. You're not going to give a running back. 13, 14, 15 million dollars a year, especially if you have Kareem Hunt under contract for two more years. But I think Andrew Barry and 
the rest of the guys understand how important Chubb is to the offense, as you mentioned. So my guess is they would keep him, but they're not going to, I mean, he's not going to get $15 million a year. He's not going to get uh, elite. I mean, just crazy money. He'll get a top of the line contract for a running back, which could be $12 million a year. I, I, I could see that happening. I don't see him getting a contract beyond that, but I, yeah, I think the Browns are going to try to keep him. I'm going to guess given the performance of last year's team that preseason or the sales for season tickets had to go just be off the charts. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They, they reached their season ticket cap, which is 60,000. I mean, that's not, that's not your ordinary uh, season ticket cap. That 60,000 is a pretty big number. So they, they have a season ticket cap of 60,000. They reached that and they expect that by the time the, the season, the next, the 2022 sales cycle starts, which is in November, that they're going to have a waiting list over 10,000. So that's that's a legit waiting list too, where people are putting down $100 a seat, $100 deposit for each seat. So they're they're paying to get on that list, and that list is expected to be above 10,000. It's already it's already in the several it's already several thousand deep now, and it's going to only get, keep getting bigger. So yeah, by the time kickoff comes in September, you might be looking at a broad season ticket base of 60,000 and a waiting list of another 10, 15,000. So yeah, these fans are pretty jacked up about this season. Did the numbers reflect that for television and radio as well and other digital outlets last year for the Browns? I mean, I realized in part we couldn't go to the game, so we had to listen to it on the radio or watch it on TV, but did it did it really show that there was a big increase there? Yeah, their, their TV ratings were very substantial. I think the average rating was in the 35 range, I believe it was, which was seventh in the NFL. And that's, I mean, that's a huge that's a huge number for the, that's for Cleveland, Akron and Canton market. And that's, that's a pretty darn big number. I mean, and the playoff games against the Steelers and uh, chiefs were in the uh, 48 and 51 range, which is just absolutely monstrous. That's a 51 rating for the Steelers means 51% of the entire market of the TV households were watching the game. So, I mean, the market's 1.5 million people in, in the, Cleveland, Akron, Canton region. So that is just a ridiculous number. But when you look at regular season, uh, 35 and a half rating, that's 35% of the market. And that's not people watching TV. That's just the entire scope of TV households, which is substantial. And yeah, their TV, I mean, beyond TV, the digital numbers, the, the website, the social views, the engagement, all those numbers were record setting for the organization last year, as you might expect when you have your best season in 26 years. And then it once the draft came and free agency, then that hype just continued to build and the numbers continued to go up on on uh, their, the Browns digital metrics. So, yeah, it just shows that I mean, people are going crazy for this team and it's only going to keep getting uh, wilder as we get closer to kickoff here. I would imagine it also makes them very attractive to advertisers. So I want to be, get their uh, products and services in front of that audience. It's everything seems to be sponsored these days, everything from first downs to whatever, but it's just, you would think that would really jump up this year, given how the hype around the team. Yeah. The Browns have always done well with corner, corporate sponsorships and corporate partnerships just because of their standing in the market. I mean, they're the biggest game in town at all times, even when they're three and 13 and four and 12, they're still, they still get the most eyeballs. So yeah, they've always done well there, but yeah, it's definitely gone up. They had the uh, last week, they announced a naming partnership or a, a naming rights deal with uh, cross country mortgage. So cross country mortgage is going to have their name on the Berea training facility. So that, that was a first for the team where they hadn't actually sold naming rights to their, their practice facility before. So that's kind of a unique way to do it. And it just, it just shows that, the power of their brand, especially when they're good, is just it's 
significant. So yeah, they're doing they're doing pretty darn well in that regard. I mean, as you might expect. One of the things people often complain about, they say, well, we have this wonderful stadium on the lakefront, but we hardly use it. Is that going to change with the addition of Michelle Powell to the Haslam Sports Group staff? Haslam Sports Group's really, they really think that she's a significant hire for them. She came from D.C. where she was, she was the GM of Capital One Arena, which uh, where the Wizards play and the Washington uh, Mystics and uh, Washington Capitals. So, so she was managing an arena that had, I think it was 225 significant events per year. So she has that background. She's she's very well respected in the industry. And they brought her in to pump up the events business at First Energy Stadium, at the practice facility at Brina and in Bria, and then the two soccer facilities in Columbus, since the Haslams are part of the operating group of the Columbus crew. So yeah, they really think that she can come in and uh really help them in that regard. Where I mean they they've already had big concerts at First Energy Stadium, they've already had uh, the U.S. men's and women's national soccer teams have come in and had Gold Cup matches and exhibition matches. So, and they've done things like that. But they're looking at beyond that, maybe like some monster truck competitions or beer and wine festivals or maybe motocross, just things like that. Just different uses of the facility with a venue that large, like First Energy Stadium. I mean, there's you're limited in what you can do. You can't just bring in an event that has 10,000 people. It just doesn't really make sense for the most part. You need to have bigger events and it's got to be events that where the weather is going to be okay too. So you're not going to do something in February on the lake. So it there you're limited in certain aspects, but they also have the facilities in Columbus that especially the new soccer stadium, the lower.com field is from every, from everything I've seen and everything I've heard is, is just awesome. So they're pretty pumped up about that. And that's a venue where you can do some kind of cool things because you have a, the seating is more limited where it's 20,000 20, seats. So you don't have to, it, you can do a lot more things with that. So yeah, they think she's a significant hire and they're pretty excited about what she can do for their events business, which that's not something that the organization has focused on too much in the past. It's been more football and that kind of stuff. But the Haslam's are thinking beyond that now. They're looking at events, they're looking at, uh, maybe a big renovation of the stadium and uh, more stuff around the lakefront. So yeah, they, they, Michelle Powell is a pretty big hire for them. You mentioned that the Browns did well and doing well in terms of season ticket sales and then getting eyeballs on television and radio and ears on radio. How did, how did the NFL do overall for last season, given all the crazy things that happened? It's remarkable. It really, I mean, it just, it's absolutely stunning when you see that the Green Bay Packers, uh, because they're the only publicly owned team in uh, North American, major North American pro sports, we get to look at their finances every year when they release them. And they released, they recently released theirs, and it showed that the NFL's national revenues went up 13 million to 309 million per team, which is just, when you think about it, that's just insane. You could, before you open up the doors, before you sell a ticket, before you sell a sponsorship, you're guaranteed more than 300 million if you're an NFL team because of the, NFL's ridiculously large uh, TV deals with Fox and CBS and NBC. And now they have Amazon coming on board and uh, Disney. It's just, it's, it's remarkable. It really is that. And that number is just going to continue to go up because of the new uh, media rights deals that the league agreed to with the, with the big partners starting in 2023, it's going to be more than 10 billion a year. So though that 300 million per team number is just going to, I mean, I, who knows? It could be 350 million in a couple of years with these TV numbers. It just, 
it's insane. And that's before you make any money locally. That's just all national revenue. And that's guaranteed per team. It's going to sound like a silly question given what you just described. But sometimes I think to myself, has the NFL oversaturated the market? Like it's too, it's too easy to find games. Now there's one on Monday. There's one on Thursday. There's 10 on Sunday. But obviously people are watching, right? Yeah, that's it, it. You do wonder about that kind of stuff, but it doesn't seem like fans can get enough of it because of the NFL has so many different things in its favor compared to the other sports. Because each team's only playing one game a week, even if I mean, even if you have every game on at different times, if you split up the broadcast windows as much as you can with more primetime games and whatever else, as we saw last year during the pandemic. There was some Tuesday night football. There was different. There was games on at different hours of the day. There was Monday night games that started earlier and before the regular Monday night game, and people ate it up. It's there's fantasy football involved. There's gambling involved. That kind of stuff brings people in. And there's each team's only playing 17 games. Where I mean, it was 16, but now it's 17. Compare that to baseball, where it's 162, and basketball, where it's 82. It, it just the games mean more, and the NFL has that. It, and it's that's a big advantage for the NFL, and that's why that's why fans can't seem to get enough of it. You mentioned that the Hasm Sports Group wants to do more things with the stadium, the venue, things that are outside of the Browns. Just this general notion, the overall notion of what they want to do with the lakefront. Were you surprised that they were the people who proposed this huge expansion and, and change to the lakefront? I, I that, that wasn't a group that I was thinking was going to come up with something like that. Were you surprised by that at all? No, I wasn't surprised that they were the ones kind of driving it because they've been talking about this for years now where they really, the, the connectivity between downtown and where they are, their position on the lakefront is not great. As everyone knows, there's, there, there's no pedestrian bridge that can uh, kind of bridge the gap between certain areas when people are going down to games and anyone who's gone to a Browns game where there's been 60,000 people knows how difficult it can be to get around and just going from one area to the other. And you have, so many fans congested in the street and the lack of great parking options, unless you park way far away. But then once you do that, getting to the stadium becomes more challenging. It's just the connection in that area is not good. And the Browns have been advocating that for a while. D Haslam told me that a couple of years ago, how there's been talk of a bridge for years and it never went anywhere. And they were frustrated by that. The team was pretty frustrated by the lack of progress. So I think they kind of just have decided to kind of take matters into their own hands and try to be a driving force with this. And they've been working with the city and the county to work on plans for just a better connection to the lakefront. And they came up with this proposal that would include a huge pedestrian bridge that would cost, I think it's $229 million is the estimate. So it's very early. I don't know how far this is going to get. The Browns want it to happen, obviously, and there's a lot of people in the in government, local government who want it to happen, but it needs the funding and that's going to be the sticky issue. And my guess is if it does happen, then it's going to come with a re, uh, renovated First Energy Stadium, which will bring a whole nother set of questions uh, as to who's paying for that. Is there going to be more public dollars involved in that or are the Haslam's going to pay for it themselves? So there's a ton to be determined, but they're, I mean, just if you take the financials out of it, they're, they something needs to be done with that area. It's just a matter of who's going to pay for it. I have to finally, I mean, you've covered the team for a long time. Is it fun to think to yourself, uh, the most exciting thing that usually is I have to write about next year, who's going to be the number one draft pick that we get. You actually have something to cover this year. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a, it's a welcome change. Last year was, was diff- so much different in that regard because it was fans were having a good time and they weren't frustrated and they weren't looking ahead of the draft. 
And it was funny that that happened in a year where Cleveland hosted the NFL draft where the Browns weren't picking uh, one, two, or three. They have, and they didn't need a quarterback. They, the, Cleveland hosted the NFL draft, and it was more of a celebration of the draft being here. And, I mean, we're not at a stage where everything's returning to normal, but it felt like almost like a normal thing with fans gathered outside and a lot of people and a lot of hype and a lot of excitement uh, with the draft here. So that it, but it wasn't about the quarterback or the number one pick. It was about just Cleveland hosting the draft just because the Browns were good. And the draft is no longer Cleveland Super Bowl. Well, the Browns are good. I mean, people are actually legitimately thinking about the Super Bowl, not the, <laughs> not the NFL draft. So yeah, it's, it's a heck of a nice change. That's great. Kevin, people can obviously read your work in Cranes, Cleveland. You have a sports blog. Can they follow you on Twitter? Yes, at Kevin Kleps on Twitter, K-L-E-P-S. Easy enough. Kevin Kleps covers sports for Cranes, Cleveland Business. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Always glad to have you on The Landscape. Pleasure having you. Thanks, Dan. It was great. And we're always glad when you can join us for The Landscape. We are a Cranes, Cleveland podcast. On behalf of our producer, Cody Smith, I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll talk soon.